going to do Q&A this morning. Uh, I just spit on the music stand. Uh, let's not use that in the recording. Um, we are going to do Q&A this morning, so if you have a question, you can text that question to that number. So uh, please note that. Please give me some great questions this morning. We are in a series called Prayer Life because uh, our life in God involves prayer. Isn't that just the nature of the way we do relationships, right? I mean, if there is a God, and we believe there is, but if there is a God and this God is love, don't you want to more intimately know this God? Yeah, sure. I think we would all say, yeah, uh, I would like to know more intimately this God. And how do you come to know anyone more intimately? Well, you communicate with each other. You do some speaking, you do some listening. You do some listening, you do some speaking. This is the way people grow in relationship with each other. The more we communicate with anyone, the more intimately we know them. But what is the nature of our relationship with God? That's a very important point because the nature of a relationship determines the communication in the relationship. Let me say that again. The nature of a relationship determines the communication in the relationship. Case in point, the way you communicate with a boss is going to be different than the way you communicate with your mom or your dad or your spouse. The way you communicate with a mechanic is going to be different than the way you communicate with a child. You would never say to a mechanic, you know, what sound does the car make? Which sound does it make, precious? You wouldn't do that, right? That's the way you talk to a child. The nature of the relationship determines the way you communicate. And we can say nature also involves the health of a relationship. The nature of the health of a relationship affects communication. For example, think of a neighbor, all right? Let's say you have a neighbor and you firmly believe this neighbor doesn't like you. In fact, this neighbor is out to get you. And uh, you're afraid of this neighbor. And so you go so far as to get a guard dog to protect you from this neighbor. You're so afraid of this neighbor. You get a security system to, to protect you from this neighbor. What happens is when the health of a relationship breaks down, then you create distance in the relationship and you communicate less. I believe this neighbor is going to hurt me, so I'm going to keep my distance from this, from this neighbor and I'm not going to talk to them very much, right? But what if you discover what you've assumed about this neighbor is absolutely not true at all? What if you discover this neighbor is actually for you and not against you, longing to build a lasting relationship with you? What if you discover this neighbor is actually crazy in like with you? <laughs> what if you discover that this neighbor would take a bullet for you, would lay down their life for you? My bet is the truth of that, uh, you discovering that truth is going to change the way you communicate with that neighbor. Suddenly, you're not keeping so much distance. Suddenly, you go out to, you know, to take out the trash. You see them, and you're like, hey, neighbor, how you doing? And maybe they invite you over, and you're like, well, I discovered this. Actually, this neighbor really likes me. Maybe I will go over for, for a meal. And you begin to have dialogue with this neighbor because the nature of the relationship affects the way you communicate in that relationship. And this is very important because uh, a lot of us have a misunderstanding about the nature of our relationship with God. And that 
misunderstanding dramatically affects the way we communicate with God. So I have some good news this morning. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit very much would love to deepen that relationship with you and have done everything necessary to develop that relationship with you. Before we go further, let's pray and go deeper. Holy God, we pause and want to believe and accept the truth that your word says you are here and you love us. You've done everything necessary so that we might live an abundant life with you. You've called us to pray unceasingly. So, Lord, you've communicated with us. We are communicating with you. We want to go much much more. We want to grow deeper in this relationship. And so we pray, Holy Spirit... We pray, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that you would take our lives, intercede and give us what we need to deepen that relationship. Open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts. In your name we pray, amen. Well, where I want to take us today is I want to to touch down in three different places in Romans 8. Okay, so Romans 8 is one of the most uh, important chapters in all of the New Testament. It's one of, one of the Mount Everest of the New, of the New Testament. We're going to uh, hit three different places. We're not going to read the whole text because we could spend all year uh, unpacking that text. Uh, fundamental to understanding, though, our nature of our relationship with God is understanding that we pray through the Son, by the Spirit, and to the Father. Let me unpack that. First, we start with, we pray through the Son. Now, there's a great old story. I love it. Maybe you've heard it. Yeah, we use it in Alpha, and uh, forgive me if you've heard it, but it, it's, uh, it's worth repeating. It goes like this. As a result of a family tragedy, a soldier in the Civil War had been given permission to have a hearing with President Lincoln. He essentially wanted to request exemption from military service because so many of his siblings had died, and he would be the last one to carry on the family name, take care of the farm, take care of his parents. But when he arrived at the White House, he was turned away. So, dejected, he went to sit on a bench in a nearby park. And as he was sitting in this park, a young boy came across to him and just remarked at how unhappy this soldier looked. And the soldier found himself pouring out his heart to this young boy. And eventually the boy said, hmm, come with me. And so the soldier walks with this boy back to the White House. But they don't walk through the front door. They actually go around to the back. And none of the guards stopped them. Even the generals and high-ranking government officials stood to attention, let them pass through. The soldier was amazed. Finally, they came to the presidential office. Without knocking, they went into the West Wing. The boy opened the door of the Oval Office, walked straight in, and there was Abraham Lincoln standing there in conversation with the Secretary of State. And the moment they walked in, President Lincoln turns to the boy and says, Todd, what may I do for you? And Todd, the boy, says, Dad, this soldier needs to talk to you. Now, 
Pause. Do you see what happened there? The son created a way for that soldier to approach the father. So often, we think our ability to pray to God is dependent upon our status with God. We imagine that God is constantly weighing the balance of our good deeds and our bad deeds. Well, let's see. I will listen to them if they've been especially good, but if they've been especially bad, I do not, I do not want to listen to their words, to their prayers. You may enter, you may not enter. And it's, it's that assumption we live by. And the problem is, and this is what a lot of religions, I think, experience is, if I never know where I stand with God, then I always live in fear of where I stand with God. So, for example, if I don't know if you really like me or not, then I'm always kind of wondering, well, how do I live and move and breathe and have relationship with this person? I, I don't even know if they like me or not. Romans 8.1 is very instructive for us. It says this. Let's read it together. Therefore, there is now some condemnation. For... Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Let's read it again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What that means is God is not balancing the weights of your deeds in order to, to, to determine whether he listens to your prayers. Through Christ, you are spotless. Through Christ, you are white as snow. Through Christ, the, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your sins from you. Now, we know we have relationships where there's still a little bit of bitterness, still some resentment, still some wrong deed standing between us and that other person. But that is not the relationship you have with God. It's not. So in the same way that the soldier received access to Abraham Lincoln through the son, Todd Lincoln, so through the son, our prayers have access. Our prayers have access to the Father because we come to the Father through the Son. When you pray as a follower of Jesus, there is no condemnation for there, for there is no sin barrier between you and God. You have been made right. You are in right relationship. Praise God through the Son. So we pray through the Son. Secondly, we pray by the Spirit. Why is this important? Well, it's all well and good uh, that we can approach the Lord God, maker of heaven and earth. But I don't know about you. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm kind of a weak human being. I'll bet you might feel that way at some point too. And sometimes in my prayers, even though I'm a pastor and I've been, I've been at this praying thing a long time, sometimes I feel like my words are so inadequate or the, or the, the, the need is so great, I don't, I don't even know how to put it into words what I need. So what do we do there? Well, Romans 8.26 tells us the Holy Spirit meets us where we are. Read this with me, if you would. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself 
intercedes for us through wordless groans because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So imagine this scene. You, weak human being, just like me, you come before a holy God in prayer. You have some experience in prayer, maybe, probably, but it's not enough. You don't know fully what to pray for all the time if you're anything like me. So what does God do? God gives you his spirit, who is himself, the spirit of Christ. He plants that spirit in you, and it's not just in you, it's around you, to the side, to the, to the right, to the left, to the front, to the back, up and down. That spirit is everywhere, engulfing you, and his Holy Spirit intercedes for you intercedes for you in ways we can't fully understand. The text says groans. We don't know how exactly that works, but he does so in accordance with the will of God. So by the Spirit, our prayers have power. Now, don't don't breeze through there too quickly. By the Spirit, our prayers have power, which is very important to realize because sometimes we think it's because of we hope or we believe it's because of me that my prayers will have power. Uh, I, will, I will pray with extra emotion or, or shouting or, or do something. And, and those things are all fine. We should get emotional. If you have to shout, shout. You know? um, but sometimes we think our, my prayer won't have any power because uh, my prayer won't have power without me doing something. But the truth of the scriptures is your prayers do not have power because of you. Your prayers have power because the Holy Spirit is in you, interceding for you with the Father in a way that you can't fully understand. I can't fully understand. But the Spirit is interceding for you in accordance with the will of God so your prayers are made perfect. I mean, think about that. As you come to this holy God, There's nothing, no sin getting in the way because Christ is taking care of that. And the Spirit is taking you, all your needs, all your prayers, everything everything you want to bring to God. He's taking all of that and he's packaging it in a way that it is, he's praying with you, for you, interceding for you. So your prayers are made perfect. Your prayers are made powerful. Not because you, you know how to say the right words. Not because you, you know uh, you're on your knees or you're uh, on a mountaintop or in a church. The, the, the Spirit is doing it for you, and that's where the power comes. The power comes from the Spirit, not from us. And so, if I'm right with God, I've been made right with God through the Son, and as I come to God's holy throne room, the Spirit's interceding for me, praying for me, with me, my prayers are being made very, very powerful because the Holy Spirit is God. So our prayers are powerful. So we need to put to rest these feelings of inadequacy. God knows we need his help in prayer. And he has supplied everything we need in prayer for your prayers and my prayers to be made powerful. But we can't stop there. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, takes his readers to a place worshipers of God rarely had ventured when we think of praying by the Son, through the Spirit, to whom are we praying? Well, we're not praying to Luke Skywalker's force, this kind of nebulous, generic thing out there. And we're not praying to the great Oz in the sky. 
No, Paul's very specific. We pray to our Father. Now, uh, let's just pause for a second and, and realize for some of us that carries some weight, some baggage. Why? Because our earthly fathers who are imperfect, they've let us down. They've hurt us often. And often uh, that experience with our earthly father gets projected upon our relationship with our heavenly father. And it's important to recognize that your heavenly father is not your earthly father. Okay? Your heavenly father is perfect, perfectly good, always faithful, never lets you down, not only loves you, but really, really likes you and will forever, okay? And what I'm going to ask you to do is, if, if you're one of these people, you really struggle with this, this child-father relationship as the scriptures talk about it, I'm, would you allow the truth of God's word to maybe this morning redeem the way you interact with your heavenly father? Because the Holy the, the God's word is truth, and if it is true, then this is a better father than we've yet imagined, okay? Read this with me. This is Romans 8, 15 and 16. Well, we're going to get this in a couple bite-sized chunks. First of all, uh, read this. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. When... Yeah. Um, what we consider, when we consider what God has done by giving us his spirit, we learn God has actually given you his spirit to redeem the way you understand the nature of your relationship with God, the Father. The Spirit has been given to you. The Spirit has been given to you not so that you understand the truth that you're a slave. No, 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 no. No, the Spirit has been given to you so you understand the nature of the relationship is you're God's kid. You're God's beloved child. The Father has given the Spirit for another reason, too, uh, to help us understand the truth of this new eternal relationship with God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Your adoption to sonship. Now, let's just pause there for a second. I mean, some of us get bothered by a couple things there. So hang with me. Some of us get bothered by the gender-exclusive language there, okay? We're adopted to sonship. Well, why can't it be adopted to daughtership? Yeah, I, I get that. Our modern translations actually uh, seek to use gender-inclusive language as much as possible. Um, but we have to understand to whom Paul is writing. Paul is writing to uh, Roman Christians, and, and in Rome, the male inheritors are the ones who would get to inherit, okay? So actually, uh, the interpreters have said, we're going to keep this adoption of some chip, keeping it in the context of Roman culture, so that uh, the readers also understand that it's actually a gender-inclusive uh, word, sonship. Hang with me. I see the glazed eyes. Um, it, because... Um, he uses sonship so we realize it includes men and women. Think of it, I'll turn it a different way. Paul also says, 
you, dudes, are the bride of Christ. <laughs> right? Men and women, we are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ, both male and female. And so he uses that to include all of us. He uses sonship to include all of us, all right? So if you have a problem with the gender-inclusive language, exclusive language there, I, it's meant, actually, to include you. Secondly, one might think, I'm adopted by God? I, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of hoping I was a natural child of God, and, and I, I get that. The context here is instructive. We have to dive into a lot of other parts of, Rome, uh, of uh, the Bible to get there, but just hang with me in this. Um, this idea of adoption is very helpful when we understand, again, Paul is writing to Roman Christians. In ancient Judaism, uh, in ancient Judaism there really wasn't adoption because it was one people group, okay? All born out of the 12 tribes of Israel. So if I died, my next closest male relative would take over my family. He's, Paul's writing not to that culture. He's writing to Roman culture. And in Roman culture, uh, adoption had a very powerful meaning when seen in context. When a child was born biologically, the parents actually in Roman culture had the option of disowning the child for a variety of different reasons, but not so if the child was adopted. In Rome, adopting a child meant a couple things. One, that child was freely chosen by the parents. Secondly, those parents desired that child. Thirdly, that child would become a permanent part of the adoptive family, parents couldn't disown an adopted child in Roman culture. What's more, an adopted child received a new identity. They were now becoming permanently a part of that father's family. Also in ancient Rome, being adopted made someone an heir with the rest of the children. Joint sharers and all the possessions fully united to that father. So if we put that in the context of our adoption by God, then our adoption by God defines the nature of your relationship with God. You've been adopted by God. God desired you. You've been adopted by God. He freely chose you of, your, of his own volition. You have taken on a completely new identity. You are no longer a part of the family of Adam that is enslaved to sin. You are a part of the family of of Christ. You are forever a Christ one. Forever. It's permanent. It's not going to be taken away. And you're a co-heir with Christ. Whoa. Romans 8, 17 says we are co-heirs with Christ, which means we are a part of the same family of Jesus. What the Son of God receives we receive. Jesus even prayed in John 17 that we would receive the glory that the Father gave him. Wow! I mean, the nature of this relationship is better than we've ever imagined. And then to finish out that thought, Paul writes, And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That name for God, Abba, is again not the name of a Swedish rock group from the 70s. <laughs> the translators have kept the Aramaic word Abba, because we don't have a great equivalent in English, the closest equivalent we have in English is the word Papa or Daddy. In Jesus' time, a, a little child born first word out of their mouth is going to be Abba. 
first word out of Ryan's, Ryan is here somewhere, Ryan's new child's light, uh, baby Ezra, probably is going to be Dada, or you could say Mama. <laughs> um, but it's, it's that first word, is, it's, it's a word of endearment of, a, of the, the, the youngest of children. And God is saying, listen, you're not to be my slave. You're my kid. You are co-heir with my son. And guess what? I want you to call me Papa. That is the nature of the relationship we have with God. So we could say, to our Abba, we pray as dearly loved children. To our Papa, we pray as dearly loved children. And God has given us his spirit to testify with our spirit, we're not as slaves, we're as kids. Wow. So what do we do with that? I mean, you think about prayer. Think about approaching a holy God. Well, if you would, just hang with me for a second. Uh, Imagine yourself as young as you can imagine yourself, okay? You're just this little kid. Here we are in the throne room of God. Up front there, we have the very throne of God, the cherubim, the seraphim, eternally crying, holy, holy, holy. You're outside the door. There's Jesus, and you're like, can I get in? He's like, absolutely. He throws the door open for you. You, little child, you come running down the aisle. You're like, I wouldn't even know what to say to this great, amazing God. And his very spirit is indwelling you, is is groaning and, and shouting and doing amazing things, praying for you as you are approaching the throne of your God, and you don't fall on your hands and knees because you're his slave. I mean, you you might get on your knees, that's fine. But eventually, I think permission has been granted to jump in his arms and sit on his lap because he's your papa. The nature of the relationship determines the communication in the relationship. And so we can boldly come to this God. Look at Hebrews 4.16. Let's read this together. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jump and come, come into the kingdom like a little child. Come in Christ. Trust that the spirit of Christ is there for you, praying for you, interceding for you, according to the will, the will and word of God. Jump into that that. Uh, the lap of your Abba and be promised that you're going to get grace. You're going to get mercy. You're not going to get the judgment bat. Judgment was taken care of on a cross. You are now right with God. So pray your little heart out. Talk as much as you want. Talk like a little kid. It's okay. You don't have to have it all figured out how to pray. He knows you don't know how to pray and he's going to help you along by his spirit. All right, let's stop there. Let's do some Q&A. And I'm going to invite Ryan on up. I hope there's some great questions uh, that are really hard that will stump both of us. You know, I was thinking about this uh, earlier about Q&A. One of the questions earlier, I don't know that I answered real well. And, um, and I, 
I thought, you know what, that's okay. <laughs> because one of the reasons we do this is because uh, I, I want you to know it's not only okay, it's very important to ask questions. And I'm going to do my very best to give good answers, but really the best place to find answers are in God's Word. My, my attempts, Ryan's attempts, are, are going to be to answer according to God's Word. But it, this value of it, we need to be searchers, we need to be seekers of truth is very, import, very, very important. All right, give me a question. First question, <clears throat> how does fasting affect your prayer? Yeah, so um, fasting is a practice that is an ancient practice, a spiritual discipline that uh, we read about quite a bit in the scriptures. Jesus fasted. He fasted out in the desert for 40 days before he began his public ministry. Uh, we do not uh, fast to get in good with God. We, get in, we, we fast uh, to uh, prepare our hearts, discipline our hearts in hunger. So when I, when I fast, um, I, am, uh, I become hungry and physically, and, and it reminds me that it is on God's word alone, God's truth alone, that I, that I am to feed. And so it's a formative thing for my heart. It doesn't make God love me more, you know, if I fast for 40 days or not. It's, it's something that God does in me to help uh, shape me. Yeah? Next one, it says, um, how do I distinguish between how the Spirit is leading me in prayer and how I want the Spirit to lead me in prayer? Ah, a couple thoughts. Um, The more you come to know God's Word, the more you will hear His voice when you pray. Um, And the, the longer you walk with God, the more you will come to hear his voice in prayer. Um, so Ryan and I, we've known each other for, since what year do you think? 2006. Okay, 2006. So we've known each other 12 years. Um, and we, we've had many conversations. Um, my guess is through Ryan hearing my words, and actually we're talking more about this next week, but the words I use in my relationship with Ryan um, have helped Ryan come to know me and me to help to know Ryan. And so if you were to come to Ryan and say, Brad said this, and it was totally outside of the character of Brad, Ryan would probably say, eh, I don't know. Really? Brad said that? Because I know Brad pretty well, and uh, I've been hanging out with him a long time. I've heard a lot of the words he uses, and that doesn't sound like something he would say. So... All that to say, the deeper the relationship, the more easy it is to understand and hear the voice in that relationship. Yeah? Next one asks, when someone prays to God but does not believe in Jesus, is God hearing those prayers? Hmm. Um, I I think so, yeah. Um, I think... See, there, there's, uh, oh, well, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. Um, I have no thoughts, so don't answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. 
So I'm trying to think of a good biblical example. Someone shout one out for me if they have one. Um, did, you know, the, the disciples, man, that's not fair. They, they were hanging out with him. Um, Great. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, Sharon uh, brought up Abraham, uh, Abraham, the father of our faith. Um, Abraham's faith in God, not fully knowing the full revelation in through Jesus. Abraham's faith in God is uh, was reckoned to him as righteousness. Um, I think it's. Through Christ, we are made righteous. Abraham wouldn't have been made righteous um, without the work of Christ. Um, but his faith in God, even before the revelation of Christ, um, allowed God and Abraham to be in relationship. Um, that said, if um, I, let's say I want to have a relationship with Ryan. I do like Ryan. I want to have a relationship with him. Thanks. Um, if, if, it's, if I always continue to have the relationship this way, um, and let's say I, I call uh, Ryan Janet, and I think she lives in Austin, Texas, and I'm constantly saying, Janet, why won't you help me? <laughs> Ryan might still step in and help me out. He might, he might change the flat on my car. <laughs> um, but it's a lot easier and more clear if I know, oh, wait, your name's not Janet, it's Ryan. <laughs> you don't live in Austin, Texas. You live in South St. Paul, and you're the person who just helped me with the flat. So I think God helps uh, people who don't fully know him when they cry out, but the greater joy is knowing who it really is uh, in the relationship. Then, then you're not living in uh, the mystery all the time. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on that? All right. No. Uh, is there, a, I'll give one more. Thanks, Ryan. Um, is there any bad place or time to pray? No. There we go. <laughs> um, you should all, all, you know, one of the best places to pray is right in the midst of your sin. That's, that's one of the best places. It's like, whoa, time out. This is way off course. I am totally lost now. I've driven into a ditch. Lord, help. Okay? And sometimes, that, sometimes the, the, uh, the word just needs to be help, 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 help. I've driven into a ditch. I need your help. Okay? So pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Um, we're going to be done. I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll finish off. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Abba, Papa. What a gift. What a gift to have access. What a gift to know that you're, you're praying with us, through us, for us, through the Spirit. Abba, Papa, Father, thank you for your great, great love. Lord, we don't, we want that boldness. 
So I pray, God, as a church, Faith Covenant Church, God, give this family immense boldness to approach your throne of grace and mercy with great confidence, knowing that the nature of our relationship with you is even better than we've ever imagined. Give us boldness, God. And I'd just like to say, if there's anyone here who has never crossed that line of faith and ran down that aisle, jumped into the arms of your Abba, you can do so today. You, you can begin your life with God today simply through faith. A simple prayer. I'll pray it. You can pray it along with me. Abba, I admit I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. I believe Jesus, your son, is that Savior, that rescuer. Flood me with your Holy Spirit so that I am empowered to rest in your arms and follow your ways from now into eternity. Amen.